Welcome to the Feel Strong Fitness Podcast. Feel Strong creates one-on-one fitness solutions for committed people without wasting time or compromising. We build and rebuild motivated individuals using programs designed exclusively for them. On today's podcast, we have Stacy Watts. Stacy is an active life pro who coaches out of a barn, which she's turned into a gym in South Alabama. Stacy went from someone deeply suspicious of healthcare and suffering from a number of issues brought on by a standard American lifestyle to deciding to work for a physical therapist's office so she could immerse herself in that world and learn through osmosis to coaching the very PTs who hired her and radically changing lives every day. Stacy is one of the most genuine, passionate, and caring professionals I know with an infectious laugh and turns of phrase that frankly will delight you. Listen to her story and you will hear the future of coaching being unfolded for you. This week on the Feel Strong Podcast, Stacy Watts. Hey, hello and welcome to the Feel Strong Fitness Podcast. My name is Justin McClintock and this week we have Stacy Watts on the podcast. Stacy, welcome. Welcome. Yay. <laughs> Thank you so much for coming. Thank you. Oh, I appreciate the invite. This is like this is still also new to me. And so like I'm still I'm still very get very excited every time. Like I talk about it all week long. <laughs> I'm I'm legitimately excited to have you here. Uh, if you don't already know Stacy, she has a, a really cool story. First of all, she's a cool person. Stacy and I uh, are colleagues. Uh, we've bun- done a bunch of education together. Uh, we're both coaches, but she came to it uh, in a super interesting way. So anyone who doesn't know you, could we sort of like, how did you end up as a coach? Is that a good introduction? Yeah, that sounds uh, pretty appropriate. I would love to hear so, it. So if you, I won't go into like the the divorce or the the major health conditions pre like that are really personal type of things that I went through but I I would say my my profession started 7 years ago whenever as more of a nothing more than someone who was sick all the time and was going through a very hard time in life um and to be honestly honest, I was very uneducated about anything that I know now. I was very hard-headed, and I come from exactly what I feel like I try want to help people with now. I come from the person, if you want to be honest, I come from the person who worked a desk job, who as a woman in a low-income area in the South Alabama who felt like there was nothing for me more than a, a clerical job at $9, $10 an hour, um, that I was, anything else that I did, I was too much. Um, women are often feel that way whenever we have a little bit more grit to us. Um, we're too much. And... Um, I was always kind of labeled as someone who was very hard, not not necessarily hard-headed, but I was just very, you get what you see. I was that kind of person. I've all, and I will say I've always been that person, but I was the epitome of unhealthy, as people would call it, 
well on my way to diabetes, which my whole family is ridden with. Um, I'm just, I'm not, I'm not making that up at all. Um, my dad is a type two and he has so many other issues, but that's all besides the point. Like I grew up seeing so many things and people ask me often, like, so what, why, how (laughs) you had the same parents, me and my brother are two totally complete opposites. I mean, you wouldn't even know me to know my brother whatsoever or or a lot of my family just just to be honest uh you could call me a stick it in the mud or whatever or the black sheep or the gold sheep it doesn't matter it depends on your perspective but um I come from the fried food three sandwiches a day had little Debbie cakes in my closet as a teenager that I ate whenever I wanted to so nobody else got to have any I mean, I wasn't a huge, I'm not kidding, I was not a huge sweet tea drinker, which is the drink of choice down here in the South, if it's not soda, um, which we don't call it soda down here, we call, everything's a Coke, everything's a Coca-Cola or a Coke, um, even though I know that it doesn't matter what it is, if, if it pop soda in your area probably, but here everything's Coca-Cola. Um, hardly anybody ever drank water, and I can remember being little, going to like, the buffet of Golden Corral and ordering a water or a lemonade and my mom being and the waitresses would look at you like let the kid have a coke and my mom's like she doesn't want it I was so that was never something that I I personally enjoyed for different reasons um I had stomach hot problems my entire life which I'm now um putting together as to some a lot of those issues but I literally come from the person, yeah, I played some softball from five from ages 5 to 12. I played some basketball from ages 14 to 16. I played a lot of yard ball. I worked out in the yard and did raked leaves. And my, I grew up with a dad that was, didn't mind teaching a girl to be independent and self-sufficient and strong and the, all of those things. The older I got, whenever I was in my 20s, those, I'm honest to God, those were the worst years of my life as far as sickness and health. Those are most people's best. Those are my worst. Uh, I make this comment often that my 30, 27 to 30, now fixing to be 35 in April, year old self could kick my 18 year old to 15 year old ass when I thought I was a little. Tough little thing, too, you know, but bull crap. I <laughs> um, so that's like a short story on like a childhood thing, like of who I was. I was such a pain in the butt. My mom tried her best to get me to eat a little bit healthier. I mean, don't get me wrong, we fried cornbread, we made homemade biscuits and gravy, and she was she's one of the best, you know, she know how to make cathead biscuits. And if you know anything in the South, cathead biscuits is um that's that's a fine a fine thing. It is treated as a almost high quality skill to be able to make a good one. <laughs> and that's just how we are how people are down here. And um luckily my mother did know how to cook very well. And when I changed my life into I literally was one of those people who went cold turkey. I've always been that kind of person, though, too, and I don't suggest it for everyone. 
but I didn't have any self-discipline or self-respect around a lot of food. Um, I thought I was active. I was biased. Totally there. I was completely biased um, about my food and my activity level. You know, I had been going up a pant size since I was in, through high school and college every year probably. And then when I got pregnant with my son, I got preeclampsia, toxemia, put on 100 pounds like that. I was almost 270 the day that happened. I now weigh around 180. Wow. Mm-hmm. Um, when it happened, when all of that went about excluding other personal details and just talking just about my lifestyle and health, um, they were testing me for cancer. They were testing me for lupus. They were testing me for so many things. And there was no ever any answers. I never really cared. Down here, in my opinion, we have one or the other. Either you ain't going to the doctor unless something's getting chopped off, or you're going to the doctor for everything. There's very few in-betweens. I was one of those people that I literally let my mama butterfly stitch my foot back together one time. I did not want to go. <laughs> I just, I did not want to go. <laughs> I, didn't, I didn't like them. I didn't trust them, um, which I think also goes back to my past, too. I watched a lot of my daddy was in a wreck at night in 1990 that was a big my daddy should have died and never walk again and he is here and he's doing all those things my uncle same way i had a cousin that was born with pku disease that there's i've i had seen so much sickness and disease and and hardship with health my whole life in my opinion and we always took care of our own we always helped our helped our aunt my um, my grandparents when they got older. You know, we helped the the hospice team. We helped um, my aunts with her with my cousin's disease. We did so many. We did so much of those things, and then growing up and becoming so self inflicted, in my opinion, self inflicted unhealthy. <laughs> um, had just was not something that I ever saw coming. But being able to look at it and go, where's my responsibility in all of this? Kind of one thing I definitely always also always had was you always need to be to accept your consequences. Whether they're good or bad, you need to be able to accept accept your consequences for what you have, what your role is in anything and everything, whether it's a relationship, it's life, it's career, whatever it is. And um, whenever I changed my life, like I said, I cold turkey quit. Um, I used to smoke. I also, I participated in smoking for years. Um, I wasn't a heavy smoker and most people say, oh, I don't smoke that much. Well, I really didn't (laughs) unless I was drinking. That's another thing. I grew up drinking. Um, since I was a teenager, when I in my in my world, that was a normal thing, and I'm sure one day I'll pay for. I say this too. I'll pay for the 27 years of hell I put myself through. Um, I'll probably pay dearly for it at some point in my life. But until then, I'm gonna make myself as damn resilient and as damn health as healthier as I can get till then, <laughs> so that it. I can rebound and fight it off. You know. I cold turkey quit and went into paleo 
and went into a couple days a week of CrossFit. Um, I spent four and a half years in a CrossFit gym, and that quickly turned into more competition for me. Okay. Um, I started wanting to pursue competitive level games, and I actually went and did some competitions. I also had some issues in the beginning that ended up being okay, and I didn't quit because of them. Um, if I knew what I knew now, it would be completely different. Um, but you know, it's just one of those things you kind of have to go through, which is another thing I truly believe. I believe that the people who really, truly stick to, and you see these overcoming amazing lifestyle stories, they came from some of the most horrible experiences and I know that sounds crazy, but I think as like a human race, like we have to go through those things to get where we're truly in this world of appreciation and happiness and all that kind of stuff. I don't know if that, that sounds, I know that horrible though. <laughs> no, it makes perfect sense. Like you don't, first of all, you know, there's that saying where if you only have good days, you'll never know what a good day is, right? Like you have to have those bad days and those bad experiences and I think most people will resonate that the 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 setbacks and the challenges and the trauma and the the terrible things are often where they learn the most. Maybe they aren't happy that it happened. You know, it's not something they would wish on anyone else, but it is how we are formed as people usually come out of these really challenging experiences. I wonder what it was like because you're describing you're describing growing up and sort of like sickness being relatively normal, whether that's sickness being relatively unhealthy behavior, though fairly standard behavior, like if you look at America as a whole, like nothing you're describing is completely wild, or having a family with some significant health issues, and that being normal and that you're all taking care of each other, because people are going to keep getting sick, this is just what happens. And then you turn on a dime and change your lifestyle and your diet and your exercise regime and all of these things in a hard right turn. And most of the time, and you know, like you're a coach, if someone describes wanting to do that, I will spend most of my time trying to talk them out of it. Because I'm like, no, 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 you can't, you can't make all these changes at once. It's never going to stick. And that's usually true unless there's something really, really compelling behind it, pushing them in the other direction, which it sounds like that's what you're describing, right? Yeah. Yeah. You, you got nail on the head. That's it. Um, 100%. I, you, you summed that up really well, Justin. Um, I, oh, I feel like, um, like you just said, I, I'm, I do not recommend that to most people. I do not. But I was one of those people that I felt like if I had one, I would have a hundred more. It was easier for me to do without and to set harsh, hard boundaries for myself than it was for me to be flexible. Because for me, flexible was an opportunity to stay, to go right back where I was. Yeah, if the door's open at all, you're going to run through it. Yeah, a good food relationship did not exist at all, at all. That's something I still have been working on for years, and I'm seven years deep into this. I tell people all the time, I, I, my eating client that comes through this 
through through my business. I'm no better than you. I've just been doing it longer. I tell people all the time that I'm not talented. I just will take, I'll keep throwing myself against something until I learn how to do it. And the reason I'm good is because I've, I've made all of the mistakes already. So I can guide you a little more clearly because I've yeah. made every mistake. I've had to relearn every movement. I've had to redo everything. <laughs> so you what's say the- that like, gosh, why haven't I already learned already? But it's okay because that's what makes us, to me, that's what makes us great coaches is the vulnerability that we can, we can say that. We're not over here trying to paint this picture that we have all of our shit together and you don't. So let me help you. You know what I mean? Like, I think that is such a turnoff. I can't, I can't handle it. (laughs) I hate, uh, we, we say all the time, like we don't know gurus. Like we hate gurus. We hate people who are super canonical, like handing down wisdom from on high you know, you should be taking your own medicine and people make mistakes. And one of the best things you can hear a coach say is, oh, I don't know. I'm going to have to look into that and I'll get back to you. Like you don't want the super genius who has every answer because they don't. They're lying to you. Yep. Yep. See, one of the things that I do that it um, I can I can't remember who, but there was another friend that I made along this journey and she was a pharmacist and she most recently has left being a pharmacist to be a full-time coach. Um, very impressive woman. I love her to super sweet lady. She is in Florida. Um, she and I talked a couple of different times and she's kind of more familiar with what the society is like towards my way because her, she had a dad that's kind of in like the country part of Florida okay. of, in, near the Alabama line. And she, me, me and her just kind of really hit it off because she just just related to, I guess, her childhood um, and me. <laughs> but she completely was one of those people that agreed with that. St- one of the first people that I met that was in our program that I kind of got to talk to. And she brought up that same statement about how being vulnerable and being open and even as like being in a pharmacist, I remember her talking to me about how like she did not um, like promoting all of these things. And as her business she was in, whenever she truly, she didn't live like that. She believed in all of this and did all of this. And so her career and all those years of education, all those things were going going to go away for her to do exactly what we're doing in a different way. And I, I think that's just, it's so impressive, you know, to me. I never find myself to be some <laughs> successful, successful person. I'll, and I'll probably never truly say that because... I believe we're all such work in progress and work in progress. Like we're all just doing the best we can and trying to be better than we were yesterday and all those kinds of things. So success is one of those things. Like you ever heard that saying, you know, the goal is not to be healthy. The goal is to be healthier. It never ends. It's kind of like that with me with first success. Success, true success, is something, it's more, but there's no word 
that says success doesn't end. It's just one of those things you're continuing to try to achieve. Otherwise, you get complacent. That's how I look at it. Totally. Not being complacent and continuing to refine what you're doing. Though now I have to ask what you would consider being successful because to anyone standing on the outside looking in, you're currently very successful. (laughs) I would say that I have had some success in doing what I set out to do, um, which was not quit and help people learn themselves not to quit on themselves and to offer a service that was open to people just like what I come from. You don't have to have, you don't have to have spent your entire life in a gym to go join a gym. You don't have to have spent your entire life being um, taught all of these nutritional examples to go decide that you're not going to be that person anymore. You just have to have whatever your meaning in your life that is that says, this has to change and I'm about to make it happen. So, um, helping anybody that is just starting, like, to me, that's like a blank slate. That's my favorite. I can't tell you, I have a lot of different women and young girls they're like, oh, I could never do those things that you do. I said, I couldn't either. You know? <laughs> you can't until you start, right? Right. I couldn't either. So at what point do you decide that you can? Yeah. And what you're describing, I think, is part of the the least served community in fitness and wellness, right? Most fitness people are talking to the people who have already been, who've been training for 20 years, feel great, look pretty good, and like, oh, I got to lose this last five pounds, or, oh, if my chest were just a little bit more, oh, I just need, and and don't, like, don't get me wrong, I have clients like that, and we're being, we're doing exactly what they want to do, and we're being successful, but there are millions of people out there who could really use some help and genuinely don't think they even belong. They don't feel welcome. They don't understand that it's a place for them. They don't understand how useful it could be. They don't, they're just like, they don't fully understand. Sometimes there's some cultural stuff where they think that for, for those reasons, they don't belong, whether it's because it's male dominated or it's intimidating, or they don't feel good about the way they look, or there's a, a, a financial barrier to entry or, or at least, or they think all these things exist, even if they aren't true. First of all, you're doing great work there and you're obviously passionate about it. How do you go from I'm going to go cold turkey, as you said, take this hard right turn with my lifestyle to where you are now, successfully helping all of these people replicate that kind of success that you've had. So other than ALP education, I have National Academy of Sports Medicine. I have CrossFit. I mean, I have all, you know, you can put all the papers on the wall. You know, I love that saying that says, I don't care what your initials are around your name. It doesn't, you're, a lot of those are getting outworked every day by someone who just gives a damn. Yep. <laughs> and I, I think about that mentality all the time. I didn't go get those letters after my name. I have sought out other education. Um, and I also found myself trying to think about opportunity and what I was willing to do. 
I think a lot of people miss opportunity because they see too much, too many obstacles. They're so worried about the obstacles of how it won't work instead of how it can work. And so, like, when I went to work at that physical therapy office, I literally started there for nothing more than someone who was going to help clean the office, help the administration do some paperwork, clean beds and laundry, and to help also occasionally, as I progressed along, learn how to assist the PTAs and PTs with the clinical exercises only according to their instruction. And, and I had a lot of proof proven to do. <laughs> I, I would say so. And just to back up a step, because I know what you're talking about, but I don't know if anyone listening knows what you're talking about. You got a job at a physical therapist's office, essentially, as you're describing, not particularly qualified to do anything with physical therapy, but interested in working there and kind of willing to do whatever it took so you could keep working there and start learning from all these people and being in this environment, right? I didn't get national. I got National Academy of Sports Medicine while I was there, CPT certified. And I had gotten, also had gotten my level one CrossFit while I was there when I first started. But when I first started there, I did not, I knew enough, because like I said before, I've, I've always been kind of a nerd. I've always liked science. I've always liked the body. I've always liked a lot of these things. And I had already been, you know, active for many years in, in doing the whole nutritional turnover, lifestyle turnaround for myself. I wasn't helping anybody else yet at this point. And um, just a lot of self-research and a lot of books and a lot of, a lot of trial and error and all of those things. And um, having my own coaches and trainers and but more towards the competitive area and all of those things my own experiences and then taking that into when I went into physical therapy like one of the the guy that I was friends with he was also a member at the same gym I was and then I knew the physical therapist for many for years because he worked on my dad after one of his terrible accidents and so, but he hadn't been around me in years, so he didn't really know me anymore. He didn't, hadn't been around me since I was a child. So when I did the interview with him, that was that was the job description. And when I went in, all I was there for was not a job. I was there to be a sponge. I did. I and it's like I said this before too. The intern. I was like getting, you know, internships cost money. <laughs> I was basically, I just looked at it as, um, I'm, at least I'm getting paid minimum wage, you know, to to be, <laughs> basically be an intern. Um, because this is going to turn into something for me way past what I am planned to. I just don't know what yet. That was another thing. I knew I wanted to do more. I just didn't know what yet. Um, then immer took immersion. And I started using immersion in the office, on the admin, administrative, on the PT there, on the PTAs there. Um, and that's kind of how I started small. And then I started cutting my hours back there 
and working with people in the afternoon here, the very PT and PTA and multiples of those that I ended up working with, I ended up working with here. That was very cool to get to work with the same people that helped me. But whenever I started there, when I was doing some of my actual more into NASM and immersion courses, the guy that was working there that helped me get started there, he told me one time that I was like the Marvin Gaye of physical therapy. He said, I've never seen anything like somebody who just naturally can connect someone, what someone needs to do to what their, their issue is that they're here for. He said, I've never seen anything like it. And Dr. Sean was like, isn't that crazy how the trajectory of one person's meaningful statement can just direct you on a shooting star, like just, and I, he's exactly right. He's exactly right. Another thing that a lot of people don't know that happened, um, I had a physical therapy patient that was there, and he wanted to help me pursue my education for National Academy of Sports Medicine, and he donated money to do that. Yeah, and I cried. I, I didn't know what to do. I... He said, look, he said, you're going to be great at, at helping people. And I want to be able to help you. Me and my wife have helped people several times in our life because we're able to do that and we consider it a blessing. And every year we usually help someone. And I, this year I want it to be you. That's so amazing. So I know this sounds like humble beginnings, but I, I kid you not. Every year I text them on the day I have it in my calendar. I saved it like a birthday. And I send them a card. This year I sent them a card. And I update them all the time. And but was it, it wasn't a ton of, it's not like it was a million dollars or a hundred thousand dollars. You know what I mean? But it doesn't matter. Those two people believing in me, when I didn't have anybody else who understood anything about what I was trying to do. Those two people believing in me, I truly believe, decided who I am now as far as where I've taken it and where I will not quit trying to take it because I will never forget the people who have tried to support and help this to make this a, a possibility for other people that other people don't even know. You know what I mean? Those people supporting and helping me in so early on, I will never, I will never forget that, and I will not let it go to waste. I will not. That is formative, and it's first of all, it's really cool. Both of those things, the being told you're the Marvin Gaye of physical therapy, and someone noticing that you have this affinity, which maybe you had recognized in yourself, or maybe you hadn't, but certainly having someone of authority and with that education look at you and be like, hey, by the way, you're really good at this. And then someone you're working on working with also notice that and be like, this should, we really need to amplify this. If you you think you want to go somewhere with this, I have the the the, the means to give you a little bit of a leg up but it's on you to do all the work, right? They didn't do it for you. They didn't. And yeah. Oh. <laughs> uh, yeah. And I want to highlight something 
you mentioned uh, having some physical therapy patients and you said working with them here. You're talking about taking people who uh, are or were in physical therapy and bringing them to your home gym and starting to train them, correct? Correct. Including the, the PTs and PTAs that I worked with at that office. They came here also. And I don't know what uh, you probably recognize this. Maybe you don't. But just to highlight it for other people, like how much boldness that takes. You are taking an educational course and basically taking what you learned that week, walking into the PT's office and be like, this is how we're going to do it this week. And are like starting to put those principles into effect, which you had learned, which were really sound and you trusted in completely and then putting them into real world work right away. As soon as you were comfortable training people, you got your NASM, you're like, okay, I'm going to start training people immediately. We're going to put this thing into work, which a lot of people don't do. And that, the NASM stuff, mostly that, that was like the connection of education and really like the crazy opportunity of being in a physical therapy office at the same time. So I got to apply that anatomical and movement, those movement principles along with the physical therapy experience education that I was getting like simultaneously. So literally connecting that dot of that they're the dots of the fitness and healthcare world, that that gap was extremely defined for me very, very easily. Because of but it was only because I had been on both sides of the field. I had not I hadn't just been in one. And I think that and it can be an extreme opportunity. I would encourage any coach that is out there that mostly might see the fitness type person versus the the unathletic soccer mom who's never picked up a dumbbell in her life, you know, or the grandma who's got a knee replacement, that kind of thing, okay? And go find a way somehow to spend some time with a physical therapist office. You and action and see if they'll give you the opportunity to let y'all's work. And that's hard to that's very hard to do, especially because I, I live in a small town. So the the guy is a it's a it's a self owned outpatient office. It's not some big corporate clinic. So it would take that kind of relationship, functional medicine practitioners, regenerative health, you know, people who are doing those kinds of things, you might have better luck with that kind of, with that kind of way in your area. Um, but I could not, I cannot tell you how much it would help you really connect if you were able to get the experience of both worlds. And, you know, really getting into learning about the insurance part for me was insanely deep and in understanding the restrictions that it comes with and, and what they put on the healthcare industry. Insurance is, they're, they're not the doctors and the, and the therapists. They're, that's not the insurance. They are businessmen. That is a business. They're not taking the oath. The oath. <laughs> nope, they're just serving the shareholders. Right. That's, you know, and I, I wasn't, you know, that's that ignorance level that a lot of people had, and I had it too. That they were the problem. 
or they were part of the problem or whatever it was. But you would be surprised to know that the insurance companies have a lot to do with what does and does not get done inside of those offices. Yeah. If the doctor can't bill for it or the PT or the doctor of whatever kind of doctor can't bill for it, there's a very low chance they're going to do it because part of the reason you're going to a place that's covered by insurance is so you don't have to go wildly out of pocket for something. Reimbursement. Yeah. So, and it's just like, uh, something that has never failed to still just doesn't make a lot of sense to me is how much money we all spend on health insurance in America. Right. And then turn around and if to go to the doctor to get certain procedures, medicines, to whatever it is, it costs more. Then it's also more time that you're missing from work. Like if you go out of town to a doctor then, or a specialist, it's even more expensive. And you had to take a whole day off from work to go do any of those things. But people don't include all of that cost into what their health is costing them. But whenever you go to talk about, we're going to go buy quality meat and vegetables, oh, that's expensive. You know, it's, 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 but they don't see it. We, we, and we, I say they, we, we, I, I was just as bad. Making those connections is really tough for people. And seeing this stuff as an investment in their life and their health and their future and being able to do all the things they want to do is really not obvious for most people. Right. One of the biggest things I noticed with what we offer versus physical therapy, insurance-regulated physical therapy, not out-of-pocket, out-of-network providers. Um, And they work not necessarily in the insurance system. They have a lot more leeway. So this isn't that they're an outlier. But in the most of the the insurance-covered world, This is something I definitely did not know. When you are sent, or that's how it is here, when you are sent to physical therapy with a script, it is only for that issue. Anything else you find, you you can't work on. You can't help them. Yeah, that's usually true. Yeah, unless you can directly find a way to link this to this, like if someone comes in with a knee and you work on their foot and hip, that's one thing. But if they come in for a foot and they're talking about their wrist, you ain't touching that wrist without a whole nother script on a whole nother day. And then you get a whole nother set of stipulations from a whole nother doctor on whether or not they get three visits or two visits or three months or 90 days. or And then that don't matter if the, if the, if the doctor script goes out then your insurance can decide another deadline that you have to use those those visits. There's so many, you can and cannot do this. What we offer is so open and available and total, total and trying to be more of a total um, overhaul. <laughs> yeah, 100%. It's just so much more inclusive. And I did not know any of those things. I didn't know any of those things. So to me, that's 
that's useful to the world. Nobody, to me, don't, we don't, it doesn't get taught. It doesn't get talked about. No, not at all. I mean, unless you're, unless you're an active provider having to navigate this insurance stuff or, or you've done what you did and like go seek out that education and be willing to spend a bunch of time doing, you know, some of it's going to be terrifically boring and then some of it's going to be incredibly educational, but just being in that environment is, you know, immersing yourself in that is a great way to get all that education. And now you have all of this insight into the medical field and all of this insight into the fitness field. And you have a unique opportunity to do exactly what you're doing and combine those two things and do it on your terms because you're doing it at your home. You're not taking insurance. People are coming to you and you're treating them holistically as individuals and solving their, their the big problems, you know, as well as the individual problems. You know, I know you can make their, make their knee feel better and make their knee pain go away, but you can also let them have more energy and feel better about themselves and be able to play with their kids if they want. And these sort of bigger picture items that we break down into these uh, smaller elements. Right. Right. I think that's a, a big, a big opportunity that's, that can be available to so to the average American that we were talking about. The person who's ne- if, if just knowing that information right there that goes well okay well it doesn't matter what i've been or what i want to what i've been through i want to be able to move better altogether i don't want to i don't care if i ever pick up a 500 pound deadlift i don't care if i can do a handstand push-up what's a snatch (laughs) you know what i mean nobody they don't know about this stuff they don't care they don't care and when they go to physical therapy, the closest thing they've ever that's the closest thing they've ever gotten to resolving their knee pain. If they got exercise. If <laughs> it's a big if. And I'm not, not saying that judgmentally, I'm saying that factually. And most of those people, most of the people who can do or value a five hundred pound deadlift or handstand push ups or snatches only value those things. Because their coaches or their gym told them that it was valuable, right? Like they, they came to it and they said they've had probably the same issues that people are coming to you with. I just want to feel better. Uh, I want to be more athletic. Maybe I want to look a certain way. I want to feel a certain way. Eh, I don't know. I want some fitness. I'm in pain. What's going on? And that person said, well, this is, this is the way we do it. And we do it with deadlifts and snatches and handstand pushups. And maybe that'll work for you. Maybe it won't into the pond you go and you're taking a much more detailed individualized approach that maybe once in a while someone is doing some snatches or handstand push-ups but it's not everyone automatically i love the way you talk when you start talking about the people out there who don't know what they're missing who don't know that exercise and movement can be part of their solution or are possibly living the life you were living 15 years ago and don't maybe don't understand that they're on a path that isn't great or don't see another way out. So if you were to talk to to that person, you have you have a 15 year younger Stacy analog out there. What do you say to them? Start sooner. <laughs> Please. <laughs> don't wait until the Tylenol habit turns into knee replacement. 
Don't wait until the migraines have turned into diabetes. And I know that sounds crazy, but you would be surprised at how people have headaches and it's related to their insulin levels. You know, don't wait until, you know, the, the smaller, till the pain starts. Your body's telling you all these, all kinds of different stuff. Why aren't you, listen, listen. And, and just because exercise is looked at as vanity, I talk about this all the time. You do not have to join a gym and lose 20 pounds. You don't, if you don't want to quit smoking and drinking, you don't have to. It would help a lot. <laughs> but risk first reward, if that's not what you want to do, but you want to move better, you know, this is what we're going to deal with trying to get you there. You know you shouldn't be doing it or you wouldn't even brought it up. I didn't, <laughs> I asked you, <laughs> you know, what, and, and just developing the self-awareness to go, what is serving me if I would, and what is not? What can I do one day, one day repeatedly for a long, for long term that would get me where I want to be in the, in, in short term and in long term? You know, pick. It's like, do you want to? If you want to pick up the five hundred pound deadlift, great. At what point in time are you going to swap to go? You know, I really can't maintain this for the rest of my life. So, what can I? You know, just self awareness to me is huge, huge. So, just I think we live in such an automated, automatic, instant everything. Like right now. Um. Pick up the phone. I'm talking to somebody in Philadelphia, and I can see his Phil Strong <laughs> Fitness on the back wall. You know, I'm in your freaking house, <laughs> <laughs> and you're in South Alabama, and all we did was press a damn button, right? Mm-hmm. We can't press a button. There's no easy button. That's what I would say. Start sooner. Start right where you're at. Find the right health professional for you. Or the right group of health professionals for you. They're out there. They are out there. I promise. Try stuff. Fail. Start again. Get Everything can always be harder. It's like you start doing a set of 10. Before you know it, you can do a set of 100. I'll give you an example. Just the other day I thought about this. I did a workout that had deadlifts and Turkish get-ups in it. If you'd have told me six years ago that I could do 100 Turkish get-ups and 30 deadlifts at my old one rep max, I would have told. I would have been like, man, if I don't, if if you'd have, if you'd have said that to me six years ago, I would have been like, oh, I can only hope. I w- boy, I wish. I hope you're right. Woo, yeah. And then today, if you said that to me, that I would take my now one rep max. Or be able to do two hundred Turkish get-ups six years from now, I wouldn't. I would be like, "You're right." You know why? Because I haven't quit yet, and I ain't quitting anytime soon. And it's worth it to me to see myself be exactly who I want to be for the rest of my life, and not for thirty days. 
and you're helping other people do it. I have, I have, I could tell you so many deeper why examples of the personal clients that come through, through preventative life. Uh, 20 year old, couldn't take a shower, couldn't bend over, couldn't hardly let, raise her leg off the floor, had lost her social life completely almost because of back pain. Didn't want to go to the doctor, much like myself. Helen Highwater, but she, it was suffer or surgery. And suffer is what she had chose because she knew no better way. That is no longer an issue now. She just, she just, matter of fact, mm, that girl did a sumo, she was doing sumo deadlifts yesterday. And she was like, I feel so, I feel so awesome. This feels, I feel so cool. And I said, girls, she's never done like weightlifting, weight training type of things like that. And I said, see, I said, and think about all of the, there's so many other people just like you out there who will never know how powerful they can feel doing weightlifting because they're so wor worried about whether they have the pain that they think they can't get out of or because, God forbid, a woman gets bulky or whatever these things are that they have created or been told. Who told you to be like you are? Why, and why and do you have to keep it like that or do you want to? You don't have to. If you're over 18, 19, you ain't in mom and daddy's house no more. You <laughs> you can now decide for yourself, right? But that's just one example. I mean, I got a 70-year-old couple that one rotator cuff tear. Boy, that's a, that's a spunky lady. You hear me? Mm, I love her. I love her. That couple is so much fun. Every time they walk in the gym, they're laughing. They're so much fun. I just love them. They're so much fun. And he couldn't, when I did his assessment, he couldn't even get on and off the floor. He has double steel knees. He could not do a single assessment that required him to get on the floor. He gets up and down like it ain't nobody's business now. He, his, and his wife had a rotator cuff kick, tough cuff tear. Jesus, my Lord. <laughs> She was four months out from a full tear. This is one of those, I ain't going to the doctor. I ain't having no surgery. I ain't doing it. I said, yes, ma'am. Okay. I need something that says it's okay for you to be active, though. <laughs> and she said, okay. So she called the doctor's office, and she got it. And they said, yeah. You know, you're four months in now. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> There's not a lot we can do about it now. And uh, she also had hip and knee pain. Both of them had uh, several ranges of motion that were problematic, and he had a ton of inflammation and pain throughout his whole body. And he comes in all the time talking about how he uses his breath work as a gauge to keep him from overworking on his farm. He can. He was talking about how he could pick up his water jug and put it in his in his uh, water cooler at his at his house and, and bend over and actually put it in there now. And this is like a five-gallon jug, you know. And she, her rotator, she's like, oh, this thing, I can't even, I used to, I couldn't even sleep all night. It would wake me up. I don't, it doesn't, it's fine. Um, her knee pain, she, you know, this is another, another thing. Getting up and down off the ground for her, it felt, it didn't feel good. It wasn't that she had, in, 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 was incapable, but she had a lot of pain. And same thing. She's, she lunges and, 
and does a matter of fact I have her doing a lot of uh, knee over toe type things and she is doing fantastic matter of fact it got so easy that she was she could do like three sets of 15 I was like that's too many oh I said her name <laughs> I was like oh oh that's too many that's too many the, the stop stop <laughs> I was like well that goes to show how progressed you are because you we started with one set of eight one set of eight these are 70 year old people that's amazing to me it is amazing and they're really lucky they found you yeah yeah i mean i could go on forever i, I mean i just i love it <laughs> i just I, I tell people all the time, i wish i could take what's this in me and i could just put it and everybody in the world. But it wouldn't do any good because then I, I gave it to them. They didn't have to earn it. That is beautiful. Stacy Watch just casually, monumentally changing lives over here. How do people find you? Uh, because at this point, they're really excited and they want to learn more about you. Where Direct people where they should go to find out more about you. Uh, so right now, I'm... I'm pretty basic, just Instagram, Preventive Life underscore Stacy. Preventive Life is on Facebook, has its own Facebook page. And um, I do, I do, I did create a TikTok, Preventative Life TikTok page. I'm not real good at putting stuff on there because um, I just don't have a, a ton of time to make a lot of content. It's just little old me down here doing this damn thing. <laughs> But I, I try occasionally to take some of the videos that I also put on Instagram or TikTok. Um, but that's that's really about it. Everything's pretty, honestly, probably informal compared, <laughs> compared to your stuff, I feel like. <laughs> but I mostly know, I, I mean, I certainly follow your Instagram and there's nothing informal about it. You do really good work there. And you're doing really good work with all of these people. I would say certainly, uh, and we will put all of those accounts in the show notes in the show description. So if you're listening to this, you can just click on that and get there and follow Stacy on all of the things and watch her attempt to make TikToks. If you're in South Alabama, you should absolutely look up Preventative Life. Anyone else should reach out and get in touch uh, because there's few people more passionate and I've always love talking to Stacy, and this has been even more fun because I didn't know half of the stuff we were getting into. Uh, she's smart, she cares, and she's good at what she does. Stacy, thank you so much for coming on the podcast. Thank you. Thank you. Yep. If you're down here, you don't mind driving down a, a dusty or muddy dirt road to get to get to nice, peace, quiet, open air barn gym, then this is probably the place for you if you don't mind doing that. It sounds lovely and I suggest it. <laughs> Thank you. Thank you. Thank you so much for listening to the Feel Strong Podcast. If you want to reach out about solving your fitness problems, find us on Instagram at feelstrongfit or apply to get started now on our website, feelstrong.me. Subscribing, rating, and sharing this podcast is an enormous help and has more impact than you know. Thank you for doing that if you're able. If you feel stuck, if you know where you want to go, but you aren't sure how to get there, reach out. It's what we do.